0: Are you sheltering in place, isolated, feeling alone?
1: <coughs>
0: well, then, you're just <coughs> like us. Hit <Hitman>. me. <coughs> from Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the quarantined hit, it's time for... suck a shut-in. The Soundcast stimulus package featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcast. And now, here's your host for this episode, Mark Hershaw. Mark Mark
1: welcome, 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 and a hearty thanks to our trusty, crusty booth announcer, Bill Haywood. Good to see you, Bill. Bill? Bill? Man, that guy is just in and out. Anyway, hi. I'm Mark Hershon, your host for this episode 221 of Succotash Shut-In, the Soundcast Stimulus Package, entitled Guestin' It Up with Pat Kelly and Peter Oldring. More on our special guests in a moment. Hopefully you caught our previous installment, Epi 220, Harvest in Early Fall Comedy Clips, with my alternating co-host Tyson Saner. He featured clips from the Whaley Family Hour, You're Dead to Me, and Two Bears, One Cave with Tom Segura and Burt Kreischer. If you missed it, it's not too late to catch it over at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, the Laughable app, and on our own home site, Show.com. Now, the last time I was on, episode before last, number 219, I played a clip from This Sounds Serious. It's a true crime soundcast spoof of The First Order, now in its third season. And I mentioned that I might be able to get the brains behind that bundle of comedy magnificence on this very show. Well, they've done been got, friend, and I am pleased to tell you that I have Pat Kelly and Peter Oldring waiting in the virtual wings. I'm very excited. We'll get into a lot of the stuff these guys have been doing and making funny since they were in high school. One of the shows they've done that makes me laugh hard is Dexter Guff is smarter than you, and you can too. It's a great send-up of motivational business dorks, and Peter Aldring really nailed Dexter out of the gate. Here's one of Dexter Guff's thought shots.
2: Elevator pitch We all know what an elevator pitch is And if we don't, then we better prick up our ears Because it's one of the most powerful tools any entrepreneur can use So what is elevator pitching if you don't know? You're on an elevator You're with your boss or your mentor or someone you want to work with It could be me. And you want to summarize an idea that you have in about 90 seconds. What happens if you work somewhere where there are not elevators? I mean, it's the modern economy. Some offices, they don't have elevators. They've got a a slide or maybe a fire pole. A few years back, I had a meeting at a high-tech firm in Norway. I got into the lobby, and there was just a a large glass cylindrical tower of balls it was like a a, a ball pit silo. Uh, my meeting was on the third floor. I, you know, entered this ball pit silo and just began uh, wriggling and writhing my way up that silo of balls. Uh, took me about an hour. Was late for the meeting. Uh, had a hell of a lot of fun. Very cool. Uh, great core workout, too. Very cool way to get between floors. A ball silo. Camrex in Norway, I love your ball silo. Very cool take on an elevator. Regardless... If there isn't an elevator where you work, then you need to recognize the places in your life that are metaphorical elevators. Personal story, it's an app idea I've had a few months back, haven't pulled the trigger on it yet, Uh, but when I do, it'll be big, I know it will, it's a great idea. I have an idea for a pet sharing app. Now what's pet sharing app? Pet sharing app is that perfect opportunity for somebody that doesn't have a pet. For a monthly fee, uh, they are a part of this app, and they can, at random, choose to have a pet for an afternoon. Uh, Maybe someone's a parakeet, uh, someone's a collie, uh, someone's Lasso Apso. And for a pet owner, for a fee, you can also be on this app. Maybe you want a break from your frisky beagle for like a week? Get on the app. Share that dog. The app is called Our Hound. And it's a great idea. That's my 90-second pitch. But you know that I've got a 60 second, you know I've got a 15 second, and it might blow your mind to know, I've also got something called a 7 second haiku pitch, which is just a handful of very potent words, very quickly, that communicate that idea of our hound. Well it's a good thing I had that in my back pocket, because a few weeks back, I was on Wilshire Boulevard, when who do I see at a red light? Caesar Milan, driving a Yukon. A couple of very rambunctious dogs in the back bouncing around seemed like a nightmare to me but I said to myself this is the perfect person to partner with on our hound I looked at the light it was red but I could see for traffic going the other way they were already on an amber I only had seven seconds of time with Caesar look over power down my window start yelling Caesar Caesar power down power down he rolls down the window It kind of looks, like, shocked. Like, who is this? Maybe he recognized me. I couldn't tell. All happened very quickly. But I seized the moment, and I blasted him with this. Our Hound. Pet sharing online. Sharing economy. Capitalize. Pet curious individuals. Monthly subscription. Money. At DexGuff. Light turned green. You know I dropped the hammer. Oh, yeah. I laid a patch. I laid a patch at that intersection. Did I get anything on Twitter? No. Is there still a chance I will? Uh, yeah. Takes time to unpack all that haiku. But I can tell you this much. I'm just glad that I had that haiku version in my back pocket. And that's what you need. To be ready for whatever metaphorical elevator presents itself in your life. And that is today's Thought Release.
1: So there's Peter Oldring and I'll have him and Pat Kelly in here in a minute. But first, let's hear from one of our longtime sponsors... Henderson's Pants and their new Fancy Pants for Fops.
0: Friends, it's no secret that at Henderson's Pants, we don't like to see anyone go without a snappy pair of trousers. From working stiffs on the factory floor to high-powered honchos in their penthouse offices, Henderson's has been cradling their buttocks every step of the way. But what about the fop, the dandy, that urbane gent about town preoccupied with little else than his manners and his clothing? It doesn't matter that a feat snobbery went out well over 50 years ago. When the fops went out the door, Henderson's pants went with them, and we've stayed with them, too. You generally won't find Henderson's fancy pants for fops on a casual shopping spree, but if you're a pretentious popinjay just give your local Henderson's Pants salesperson that snide smirk. You've got down to a science And you'll be shown into our private fitting area In no time flat You'll be seated comfortably with a brandy in hand And a snoot full of snuff Watching a parade of the latest Fancy Pants Parade right by you With any luck at all You'll favor us with a fitting And although we never dare hope to be so lucky You might even leave the premises With a fresh pair (laughs) Dare we say two Of Henderson's Fancy Pants for Fops Under your arm Originally designed for for syphilitic poets, renaissance painters, and Beau Brummel, we'd ask you to tell your friends, but we know that you don't actually have any. Fancy Pants for Fops from Henderson's, makers of fine trousers and pantaloons since 1491. Now back to
1: Suckatash. Uh, thank you, Bill Haywat. Joining me today on Succotash is Pat Kelly. And Peter Oldring from Kelly and Kelly Productions. Uh, Does that kind of cover where you guys are from to start with?
3: Yeah, pretty close. I would say that, um, you know, this is Pat, by the way. Um, Pete and I have a comedic relationship that goes back to when we were in high school, uh, which was just a couple of years ago. Yeah, Um, (laughs) very recent, very recent. Very recent graduates.
2: Um, (laughs) Proud, proud to have finally made it.
3: Yeah, but uh, no, Pete and I have, have had a, a comedic uh, partnership for yeah 20 plus years and, um, you know, sort of primarily always focusing a bit of our, our, our material on satire and, and we've, you know, kind of uh, dabbled in a few different mediums and poked fun at a few different type of, uh, you know, uh, media type genres. And then um, Chris Kelly, who was our producer at CBC, Um, for a show that we did called this is that Um, he's in Vancouver as well as I am. And and we started a little company and obviously we always collaborate with Mr. Oldring on everything that is funny, including, (laughs) including this sounds serious.
1: Now, Chris Kelly, any relation?
3: Not related at all. Just but strangely, a, uh, related to me. So that's, yeah.
1: that's the weird...
2: <laughs> that's the weird. We are brothers. It's just that I took my wife's name. Now, this should be clear yeah. uh, for everybody listening what's happened here. Perfect. That works yeah. out
1: great. And, uh, I think I first became aware of you guys from This Is That. Somebody had passed along a uh, uh, recording. I think I may have even featured on a very early uh, episode of Succotash. Um, But then Pat, I saw a video that you had done in Vegas. It was like a mock um, Ted talk.
3: Mm, Yes. Uh,
1: And it just, I shared it around to everybody I could send the link to. And uh, I just, I just loved it. And I think I even used it in a meeting at one point uh, to make a point about um, uh, sort of the ridiculousness of... (laughs)
3: thought leadership
1: yeah now wait a minute leadership. is
2: there is there a royalty issue here i'm just yep. i want to how big yep. was the meeting you shared uh, I, this at? well
1: it was a local it was like people in my office but i did charge them five bucks a head <laughs> Fantastic. there may be okay. a royalty
3: uh, <laughs> yeah no that that video was a was part of a, a series of videos that we did for this is that uh i don't know over the years we probably did what what would you say, Pete? like twenty, like, 20 of them or something yeah, 30? something like that every
2: yeah. every season that we would do uh, for those that you know aren 't aware of this is that it is a satire of public radio ultimately it 's you know canada 's major broadcaster right. is the cbc sort of canada 's nPR if you will, and so our show was a a satire. we sort of played fun mm. in the uh, tone of a uh, of public radio and and for us as comedians it was it was fun to be able to you know, do any story that you would hear on public radio. It's it's such a wide expanse that it could be character, it could be documentary, it could be whatever, but it was all, um, you know, made up, but it was sort of served up in a very dry, uh, satirical way. And so uh, in the latter years of doing that show, it ran for about nine years. In the latter four or more years, we would do video companion pieces that, you know, the, the audio was a satire of public radio. And so our video companion pieces were more a satire of things that we would find online kind of genres and tropes that we'd find online. So, you know, speaking a little bit to the idea of the Ted talk uh, version that Pat did, it was kind of speaking at thought leaders and, and some of those uh, talks that are very easy to find online. Yeah.
1: Well, one of the things you guys do so well, let alone the, the comedic writing, which is always hard to nail. Um, but is your ability to really grab the form, the trope, you know, the thing that makes it sound legit. And then you just put enough of a spin on that. If everyone's listening, you know, with half an ear, they go, Oh wait, this isn't real. Mm
3: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that's you know that's kind of always been our I, I think we've just kind of gravitated towards that as as a device for comedy. I mean, if I think about going back to when Peter and I first met as young teenagers, like that was kind of what we bonded over was this idea of observational stuff, you know, like not so much uh, in a stand-up comedic kind of way, but just observing the behaviors of people and finding the ridiculousness in in you know things that our people are doing, whether that's in real life or on media, and I think it then gravitated towards us just really refining that over the time to sort of hone in on, you know, just doing as best we can an impression of types of media that we are kind of satirizing or parodying. And, and then Matt, when
2: you when you uh, yeah. when you were talking about you know starting out and when we first what would sort of tickle our funny bone when we when we met. It was, as passing, saying, you know, satirizing or, or observational uh, comedy a little bit. And one of the first things that we did, do you remember this? We were out in front of, the, of a comedy theater that we were going to go and do mm-hmm. an improv show at. And we'd sort of gotten ourselves done up in some wigs and some bad hats. And we were in the parking lot just as kind of two buddies or brothers who were fighting over fixing a truck as the audience was coming in. And we were, kind of, you know, it was almost like a bit of a stunt. You know what I mean? But it was like for us it was just that ridiculousness of trying to nail a character or the, or a relationship so that as people are filing in they're like they're going who are these two assholes who are like just like at each other's throats over trying to like turn over this truck that's dead or whatever is going on and then the payoff of course was then we came out as those characters to then do this improv show that's so it was like for great. us it's always been that uh, to you know, didn't mean to interrupt Pat, but I, I always love that story, and it's and for us, that's that is the early notion of trying to have characters or comedy or relationships or whatever that is that find some level of believability. That it's it's that then when you sort of put a, a a slight twist on it, it's for us we kind of prefer that to you know, the laugh tracked comedy or, or something that maybe at times might be a little bit more right out of the gates. Obviously, a, a comedy for us, it's always sort of been riding that line of like, can you believe that this person or that this relationship or this event is real? Yeah, and let's see how far we can push that.
3: And also a lot of the satire too can come from just literally, it's just us finding, you know, impressions of people in the real world and just echoing mm-hmm. them back to an audience. And then yeah. you start to sort of see what the ridiculousness is of, of people's behavior is. And I mean, we have that in droves now with the internet, you know, it's like everybody is finding something to make fun of constantly, but really like that's truthfully, I think the the home p- plate of our comedy is, is that. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, Peter, one of the things that I um, really loved uh, when it first came out, and I did the same thing where I just sent links around, and I, I was then in a position to actually feature it, was Dexter Guff. Oh, yeah. Uh, is smarter than you. And uh, <laughs> I I played clips on mm-hmm. my Succotash show. I reviewed it for uh, This Week in Comedy Podcasts.
2: I love wow. it. Has it changed your life? Has it has it did you follow Dex's steps to uh, self-actualization? Did I, you realize
1: <laughs> there, there are some of your 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 thought dogs that you,
2: Yeah, that serving you, up those thought dogs
1: trying to really can. change
2: your life. Maybe for the better. No promises there. Couldn't guarantee that. Could uh, get sued. But can it change your life? Absolutely.
1: It's just the character is just so again, just this perfect character. Uh, he's not anyone we 've ever heard before, and yet he's everyone we've heard that does that sort of uh, what is it it's sort of half half sales half yeah half... It's, it's, you know it really
3: did jump off from a, the the thought leader video that you referenced before yeah. there, mark like so that was kind of our initial foray into this idea of sort of making fun of this kind of Uh, what seemed to be everywhere trope of people being experts on things. But the, the character that I did wasn't quite the version that we were really fascinated by, which was kind of these, you know, alpha male, success wizards who somehow have this persona online and with all the media that they do, they'd have you believe that they are the most successful people in the world. But really when you start listening to what they have to say, there's just recycled nonsense with no substance to it. And so Peter immediately knew how to do this character and, (laughs) and we decided to sort of world build around that.
1: It was great. I loved how, um, even though he like, goes off the deep end in the first season and disappears. Yes. And then you even turn it into a whole different type of show, the kind of looking for Richard <laughs> Simmons kind of show yes. at the end. Uh, you managed to then resurrect him. And Yes. It was yes. Like,
2: uh, like so many stories of people who have, uh, you know, uh, horrific public falls from grace. There's a redemption story. There's always a redemption story. Dex is clawing his way back. Uh, into the hearts and minds.
1: I'm going uh, to name drop because one of my good friends and a friend of this show is uh, Dana Carvey. And oh, wow. uh, he, he's always said, everyone loves a comeback. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> well, and you know, the, the fun thing for us too was, you know, sometimes I think there's some really legitimate folks that are, are, uh, really know what they're talking about and, and helping people, uh, you know, change your lives and, and find some inspiration, the rest of it. And I also think that in the, in, on the internet, that there's also a lot of folks that you really can't tell, you know, what, what in the world they're pulling their, uh, you know, phrase, like where, where they're getting their uh, sort of um, the building blocks to help people build a, a, a better life for themselves. And so in some level for us, it was kind of like, it's that guy where you don't really know anything about his past except for that, he keeps on trying to sell you a bill of goods that his life is unbelievable, and that he 's crushing it in every mean of like personal business, everything. but what keeps on happening is that his the real life of him keeps on you know uh, bursting into the show, so you 've just got him trying to say that things are going amazing, but meanwhile he 's being sued uh, because people are taking his. Uh, they're not taking his, his pills Biden, his, yes Biden exactly Biden pills. his gut pills' they're, they're they're not meant to be taken orally. Uh, people got that it? confused and they 're choking
3: and there's also there's a bit of a parallel to the the men that we won 't speak of, but the uh you know that this the idea with Dex also too was just this like unwavering ability to to never admit defeat like that <laughs> yes, you're never wrong, and that you will never fail and so as much as sadness as we wanted to put into that truth. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a rule for Dex is that he's never going to let you have yeah. uh, the last word.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I just, I visited your website uh, this morning and I realized you've got these other shows that I'm not even aware of. Mm. Um, some of them I am. Some of them I'm not. I don't know if all of these are currently in production. Uh, like the Zeta family.
3: Yeah, these were, those are, you know, those are shows that we didn't necessarily write or create the the material as more as just sort of like came on as directors and did.
1: Some, oh, okay. And
3: the post-production and sound design, of course, with Chris, who's not uh, joining us today, but Chris is obviously the wizard when it comes to the idea of uh, creating sound design mm-hmm. and world building and all that kind of stuff, which he does for um, the Sound Serious. Yeah. Um, you know and and i think pete and i would both say that for even this is that as well it's like the comedy was one thing but really the the guy who elevated most of it with the sound design was chris
2: oh okay. and it Nine, was it was it was an amazing
3: tool for us to be able to dream up these stupid ideas and then all of a sudden somebody can actually execute them it was uh a match made in heaven for sure. Yeah. yeah. He
2: he really uh, is. He, he's incredibly talented in a number of different ways. And one of the things when we were doing this is that, is that he had cut his teeth in some uh, way in public radio with legitimately crafting, uh, you know, documentary style audio. And so, you know, we were really able to kind of bring our ridiculous comedy sensibility to uh, uh something and, and put it into a shell that's actually very uh perf- it just sounds it sounds absolutely perfectly um legitimate so he's he just really has that gift and he's also hilarious too but yes yeah. you know he's got the gift to be able to do that
3: which is what's really elevated this sounds serious too i mean it's uh yeah you know writing the, the stories for those seasons have been one thing but then uh you know creating all the archival sounds that make it sound like an old 70s tv show or <laughs> whatever yeah. it is i mean that's just yeah. all all in the sound design yeah.
1: yeah i so let's get into this sound series cuz again now you guys are in your third season of this and uh the first season was just uh such a great grabber with the ridiculous storyline of the two tw- the twins and the murder and uh, again the characters <laughs> were fantastic and all the tropes of you know serial and every other serious you know podcast journalist and I think I think you guys have helped to kind of launch the career of actual podcast journalists now <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know the whole premise of the show actually started with Peter kind of had the the notion of i think it was around the time we were doing a lot of live shows for this is that, so we were mm-hmm. t- touring quite a bit in Canada, and yep. you know you're taking flights and you're. In the car and you're driving, you know, great distances to shows in Canada. And we were all just kind of listening to a lot of true crime. Yeah, sort of like a lot of, you know, it was good for flights and whatever. And, and it was Peter that sort of mentioned, you know, wouldn't this be a fun backdrop to do some sort of comedic story? Yeah, Um, it's I mean, and and
2: also at that at that time, because this is a a few years back now, it really was, you know, you think about S-Town and you think about Serial and those two uh, shows in the podcast space were really like such giant shows that i think now the true crime space is such a huge vast category oh, yeah. on podcasting but at that time it it was not quite as much like those two shows were so big and there were these amazing templates of like this you know obviously it's very sensitive material so the, the big question came out you know well what if we were to use that as just a genre and as a, and as a, as a means for storytelling, the crime itself needs to be ridiculous. Because if, if you can, if you're, if you're able to look at a ridiculous crime, like, you know, quote unquote crime, if you, if you make it ridiculous enough, like in our minds, death by waterbed is one of them that it's, that becomes a great premise to then jump forward. And for us to basically lean on what we'd been doing for many years, which is just, you know, playing around with different types of media and different ways of storytelling and documentary and character and all of that, you know?
3: And I think another sort of like happy accident that happened with it too, was that our first initial instinct with that first season was to kind of just do this parade of impression of all the tropes, you know, like mm-hmm. we wanted to bust out every sort of thing in the arsenal to just do like a, basically a, you know, a nonstop, joke parade of the tropes and then the onion came out with one Mm -hmm. um right as we were like very fatal very fatal fatal murder which was very much that which was very much kind of you know lots of jokes it was really funny and it was just literally going after you know calling out everything that you hear in a true crime and so we kind of put the pause on what we were doing and said you know Mm -hmm. i think what will make ours a different and and perhaps a little more fulfilling to us is if we focus on writing a story mm. um and that's I, I can't say that that's something that we'd ever done before with our comedy which is written like an eight episode fully formed narrative arc where there's a surprise and there's twists and we got to put in red herrings and all this kind of stuff so yeah. it was a it was a really like great challenge and i think that that's in many ways kind of set us off on the right path with this yeah. which well,
1: is, it's it's great know, because all these diversions from the story where it gets into the whole kind of water cult thing Mm. (laughs) and you've got all these you know just these great crazy characters and then you hear like snippets of them throughout the show That you know you'll call back a piece they said or something so you kind of keep these characters alive even though they're not in the mix you know further on from a sort of linear standpoint and mm-hmm. i think that adds to the sort of this depth and this world building that you guys are doing around something like this and then now that you've gotten Gwen radford has now you know gotten into her third season and she's avoided the the trope of uh the character they used in uh very fatal murder where the guy is just really an attention hound mm-hmm. right the guy is doing it right he's he's trying to win a peabody basically yeah one of
2: the most amazing things i would say just about gwen radford played by the totally amazing carly pope who is just a phenomenal actor in every regard but one of the things that is so one of the things that she does so impeccably is that she sets up such a believable platform for um she, she grounds the whole show so that then when you have these ridiculous elements when you're listening to her tone and and the way that she storytells and the way that she sort of satirically plays that narrator in in a journalist role, it's in such, it's with such a, a genuine, um, uh, you know, believability that it, it, It allows for everything else to be ridiculous. Like if 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 you go, if something feels like it's way overboard, she's the one that is able to bring it back so that the listener can sort of go, "Oh, uh, that was so ridiculous," but yes, I'm still in this very real sounding space. It's
1: yeah, it's just such uh, a
2: great job at that. Yeah,
1: the perfect kind of ringmaster that you want for that. It's like if you, I mean, if you think about even classic radio comedy, where uh, like a Jack Benny. And he's, you know, surrounded by kind of crazy characters and he's normal. I mean, he's not normal, yeah. but he's the normal <laughs> one. Right? Yes. Yeah. And everything yeah. swirls yeah. around him. And yeah. then we've, we
3: had a couple of instances throughout all the seasons, really, where maybe we've, we've written or recorded something where Gwen is actually kind of being funny quote unquote and it just does not work we, we we take it out and and we knew like kind of right away it's just like when you hear it you're like nope she cannot be she cannot apply any kind of like uh like tone of humor to this she needs yeah. to be
1: she yeah. needs to really yeah.
3: legitimately
2: be yeah. you know uh in it and not not kind of commenting on it no I mean, wink in, no winking yeah no her. wink towards yeah. no not yeah.
1: winking but occasionally yeah. she tries to be f- sort of funny. Yes. And it just falls as flat as you would expect it to. yes yeah, yeah. Yes. Not the humor. Yes. But it, exactly it's not yeah, but it's not the winking thing where she goes, <laughs> I know this is a joke. She's yeah, playing yeah, yeah. comedy as yeah. you know Gwen Radford. It's
3: Gwen Wood, yeah. Exactly. Yeah,
1: which is great. It's um, funny to
2: think about that. You know, I mean I guess we've we've kind of have really touched on it, but you know, one of the things with this is that to, to kind of go back there. Is that one of the great successes of that program was that when we originally started for us, it was like just having some fun with the tone of public radio. Like, you know, when you're on a, uh, you know, on on public radio, when it hits the dial, there's just a different tone. And so for us, when we originally started, that was the idea for us to tell these funny stories ridiculous interviews crazy documentaries but in that tone and what we realized as soon as the show came out is that there were so many people that believed this was real like our 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 phone line our our uh, voice answering uh or our voice box would be full of people who believed these stories to be real and and in fact they for years were taken and followed by other uh, you know, other uh, news organizations, Fox News, uh, Washington Post, like, I mean, literally, literally, uh, these stories that are ridiculous were, were taken uh, to, uh, you know, but picked up as, as legitimate stories. But we didn't know at the beginning, we did not know that that was going to be a part of what this show is. For us, it was like, let's just tell some really like ridiculous stories, but in that tone. And so what we began to do was this it informed us, it informed us to go. One of the measures is that people need to still believe this as true. And so that I feel like if, if that, if that wasn't the case out of the gates on this is that we might have, it might have become a different style of comedy show. It could have been something different, but hmm. having that always in the back of our mind, it really sort of informs all of it. You know what I mean? Even, even for something like Dexter guff, there's a number of people that are right off the bat. First episode are like, I'm not listening to this asshole. Who does he think he is? Like they don't see the, they don't see the comedy of it. It's like they, they
1: believe, you know? And so yeah. that, 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 that um, belief is important. If yeah. you think of um, uh, Phil Hendry. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and his characters. I mean, for years, mm-hmm. he would just bald-facedly tell people, these are not real people. And there were still listeners that would get so incensed.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. At yes. these characters. Yes. Uh,
1: and there's something about having, you need that weird core of belief. Uh, I could point to our current president. Um, where there's a weird <laughs> core of people that believe uh, what's going on is tr- is real and true Mm -hmm. yeah um so and that's again something that you seem to have captured in most of the projects i'm familiar with are there things that you guys have done that sort of range away from that sort of uh spoof approach
2: um i
1: think so. you know honestly i
2: mean of course in our own careers there is like we've we have a, a a variety of projects and things that we've been uh, involved um, in and, somebody's would, about to resume
1: drop here no, we go no, let
2: me let me let me tell you about a movie that <laughs> i did was uh, but i would say i would say that you know for us comedically and it's not even something that's spoken about like we never sort of said like we do satire what are we gonna skewer next it's just the our what we per what we personally sort of find funny is you know is is trying to take what could be something that's quite serious and recognizable and just twisting it a little bit. Like we just find that ourselves, we find that funny. So I think we have done other projects, but whenever it's stuff that we're collaborating on together, we always our Our sensibilities seem to drift into that same world of, Hey, did you see this? That was the most ridiculous thing. Could you imagine if we did it this way? Mm -hmm. No, it's sort of, that becomes, I don't know, like a a leaping off point in a lot of ways for us because we just still find that. kind of comedically gratifying
1: yeah
3: i think Uh, if anybody ever gave us a chance to write a uh something that was not funny either it would be probably the same approach which is mm -hmm. this idea of just doing characters that are really really quite believable and identifiable i mean personally Mm -hmm. that's yeah i think i think primarily pete and i would probably both agree that our number one genre of things we like to watch is documentary (laughs)
1: Yeah, oh, okay. And not, so, and
3: not yeah. so much because it's, it, I'm, not I'm, I'm, I'm totally to engrossed in the story. I just yeah. love seeing yeah. real people yeah. do crazy things. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I find that a lot more satisfying in some ways than, uh, you know, dramatic films or even like films that are supposed to be comedic or whatever. I mean, I, I'm just drawn to nonfiction, yeah. you know, and for that reason.
1: Yeah. Um, just to kind of go back to your history a little bit. So you guys met when you were teenagers. Were you in school together? Yeah.
2: No, we met at an a improv theater um, in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, home of the eighty eight Olympics. A shout wow. out there uh, for anybody. <laughs> um, but um, uh, the theater's called Loose Moose Theater, and it was under the uh, direction of uh, a really notable um, improv guru, if you will, a fellow named Keith Johnstone. Sure. Sure. He wrote a book called Impro and was really one of the seminal voices for theater sports, where he was kind of like yeah. coming up with these, you know, these games that you would see. Yeah, and-
1: I was in the uh, I was in the Seattle theater sports group oh. when it just oh, okay. sort of started to come down from Canada. We used to play the Vancouver team all the time. They would come yeah, down and
2: play us. definitely. Wow. Oh, am- amazing! Yeah, Vancouver theater sports. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> well, so we started out there, um, and. Very shortly therein, um, I ended up going to school out in the east.
3: It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna school drop here,
2: and uh, just it's not a huge, not a huge. You school. can tell
3: them, Peter. You can tell uh, them
2: the National Theatre School of Canada, and you can hear it in my diction. You really can, um, <laughs> if I turn it on. If I Peter, turn
3: it on. Peter's classically trained,
2: and it's 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 if if it's anywhere, if it's most obvious, it's in Dexter Guff. You just hear the T's. Um but uh we shortly after that Pat also moved out east. We found ourselves in Toronto and uh we kind of continued what we had started as a comedic partnership in Calgary where we were kind of improvising together and there in Toronto we started you know doing lots of improvisation. We worked with the Second City in Toronto. We uh on a hairbrain we had a dinner and we had this harebrained idea years ago that we were like you know what why don't we uh go and uh rent a studio warehouse space and build a set and we should do uh uh the world's uh, a breakfast show for the world uh, yeah. online and so we did that uh you know long long time back we did a show called good morning world and it's again we were kind of taking a taking a run and having some fun at the notion of breakfast television
3: it was very and, uh, early days of the uh, internet and, yeah like, youtube hadn't really even come out and it was yeah. so we thought there's this idea to be the first to do a basically good morning america but for the world on the, the internet. world and it was just uh, bananas it was just we, we committed two. to doing it daily and which was oh, wow. became a, a huge lift <laughs> yeah i mean uh, and um, it really yeah. was
2: at the very beginning it was like neither one of us really knew anything about editing it, it really was in this hot warehouse in Toronto in the summertime us sitting behind like this strange desk that we, and we really we would built a set and we had a camera that we had running on a remote control we were in shorts down below but like suit tops up above like, we, it like, was like, like I am right now so yeah exactly. exactly and we'd sort of like painted on some really bad tans <laughs> And we would do this breakfast show. And it was, you know, literally us, just two guys sitting with tan faces in a warehouse, remote control, running a camera uh, to do this daily breakfast show for, it was like five minute episodes, but with stupid tips and, you know, health tips and all sorts
1: of stuff. That's amazing. What were your comedic influences growing up?
3: Um. Well, I'll go first so that I can get yep. them out of the way, and then Peter's will and probably I'll say I'll say the same ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, a big one for sure was SCTV, yeah. all of it, all of it. Um, and we, we actually had the um, pleasure, um, I don't know, probably about 15 years ago to, to work with Dave Thomas from SCTV. And oh, so he's become a friend, and uh, it was just such a, a thrill to, like, hear from him that – inner workings of that show and the stories behind the scenes, because it obviously it had a huge, huge impact on us. But, uh, yeah, I would say, yeah. you know, SCTV and then, um, Bill Murray for me, mm. big one. And, uh, you know, anything that was kind of, um, yeah, just, just anything that I guess, I guess that informed it. Anything that was just sort of like parody of media, which SCTV obviously was, which is a huge one cool. for me.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. I would say, I mean, obviously SCTV, same, same, you know, and, and uh, I really think that's uh, was the, in, in a lot of ways, the beginning of kind of anything. I just watched every one of those episodes over and over and over. And I just mm-hmm. sort of thought. Everybody in that show is just so funny and the characters and the ridiculous just the the stupidity of some of the uh <laughs> stuff that was going on. I just thought it was so funny. And then another inspiration for sure um for me was Peter Sellers. I just thought some of the some of the stuff that Peter Sellers would do, I just thought it was just some of the funniest stuff uh, you know, ever. I, I for certain. For certain.
1: Yeah. Uh, you guys have, um, anything new that's coming out, uh, in terms of like another podcast or show you can talk about, or is everything kind of under wraps until we hear about it?
3: Well, this uh, yeah, I mean the the season three of the Sun Series is out right now, and it's uh, it's uh, um, kind of follows a Hollywood sort of con con man story. So it's a little bit less uh, crime riddled than the other two. Pat, does but it, a, it,
2: Pat does a marvelous turn in it.
3: it yeah, does a marvelous um, turn. So I think, but it, it's uh, yeah, it's rolling out right now, and it's a nice little COVID break. I think if people are looking for something, what's a little your? I, you know, fun. I just
1: I just featured a clip. Uh, on this last episode of Succotash. Uh, but I never know who does any of the particular voice. I can recognize some people like mm-hmm. Paul F. Tompkins and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but <laughs> Pat, what, what part are you... I'm you play? playing
3: Kirk Todd, the, the con man. So okay. in the early episodes, he might not be too much.
1: Yeah, he's not in the early bad. one, so I haven't yeah, caught him. Too, too. Yeah, The clip I featured was the, uh, the, guy, the guy from the singing, the a cappella group.
3: Oh yeah, and now it's Peter. Yeah. Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I played that on oh, that on of him. Yeah. And they're uh...
1: You're not <laughs> gonna
2: play
3: this on your podcast,
2: are you? <laughs> yeah. Oh exactly. my goodness. Yeah. And uh getting the uh yeah, that's that was kind of fun. There is a uh, them them sort of getting the the bad gig, right? Where they're
3: being <laughs> Yeah. Or well, own. I mean, yeah, but the main thing for the little for the time being, Mark, is like we're, uh, you know, we've been kind of approached in a few different iterations of this sound series to sort of dreamalize what uh, a TV version of Ooh. it is. So, we're actually, I think, pretty committed for the next little bit to kind of lock ourselves away and sort of figure out what a visual version of this sound series would feel like. And so, we're kind of excited to dive into that.
1: That sounds really cool.
3: Sounds yeah. Great.
1: I also noticed on your website that uh you've got a little bar at the bottom that says if you have an original idea you'd like to pitch to get in touch. I don't know if you guys remember that's even on your website.
3: But, oh, I uh, didn't remember, but sure.
1: I don't I don't want to have anybody <laughs> in and date you with stuff. Yeah. Uh, I uh and uh anyway, so if people want to do that, they can visit uh, KellyandKelly.ca. Yeah, that's great. Actually, yeah, also, sure. you know,
2: to that end, uh there is another project that we uh crowdfunded really to, to mm. get going called the plop which is mm. a sketch comedy podcast for kids oh cool because if you are a parent uh and you've been at home with your child now for about six months uh, maybe you're looking for some <laughs> some diversions uh, give, give them something fun to do so we're, we're working on this uh podcast as well and the reason i bring it up is because one of the things that we're really excited about and committed about is that it's creating jobs for all sorts of comedians who are in their house going what in the world my live you know mm-hmm. live shows aren't happening what i'm going to do so it is an open call an invite for uh, people to submit uh, ideas on that so you can find out more information about that uh, on the kelly and kelly site as well but the plop, and that's mm-hmm. yeah. that's cool. a, a way right away that if you're comedically inclined in any way shape or form um it's a great place to pitch an idea. Would love to collaborate.
3: Cool. Yeah, that's right. That's a very, very good point, Pete. Yeah. They, and so yeah, to reach out to the to Kelly, Kelly, I can think it would be hello at Kelly, Okay.
1: Yeah.
3: Um,
1: I think I sent a pilot to, it may have been you, Pat, or it might have been Chris. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure of a, sh- a show I put together a couple of years ago that I uh, was supposedly going to have somebody pay me to do a short season of, and then they sort of disappeared. <laughs> Oh, this uh, is right. This was your, um, this was, uh, the sleeve talkers. The security. Um, yeah. Yes. It was uh, the overnight shift of the um, secret service at the white house. And it was like a sitcom. Uh, that's but right. The, yeah. The gimmick, the gimmick was that, uh, all the communication was via their walkie talkies. Mm-hmm. And so I, it, but I came up with it before COVID. So it was actually kind of really great for this because I record everybody on either their cell phones or Skype. And then my producer, who's a great sound atmosphere guy, put them all into different spaces around the White House, right? So one guy's out in the Rose Garden, another guy's in the underground submarine pen that we don't know about. Um, <laughs> and then whenever they would have interactions with somebody, they'd keep their, their channel open. So like there's the one guy who's assigned to Trump. And so he just keeps his channel open so you can hear his conversation with Trump.
3: Who did you have doing Trump?
1: Uh, Dana Carvey.
3: Oh, amazing.
1: Uh, yeah. d- Trump, he did Trump, uh, Putin, and uh, a cameo by Obama.
3: Oh my god! Incredible. Did, yeah, so funny. Just a, that, just slightly good at doing impressions.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's done
2: a few characters, yeah. hasn't? He? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So that was good. <laughs> Actually, um, he he is, he
3: he'd be up there too for my yeah. influences with that that era of uh, Saturday Night Live for sure. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, him and Mike Myers and that that kind of.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's feel it's funny, You guys were talking about uh, improv, and I have you know, I've been doing improv since nineteen eighty-three, I think. Mm-hmm. And he would deny that he's an improviser, but I've been friends with him for a long time. I've gone to gigs and and, and he's an amazing improviser, but oh. refuses to cop to it. Just yeah, so. it's I funny. There's some there's a, there's, a, there's
3: a there's a certain breed too of stand up comedian that is like sort of Robin William esque yeah that can seem to just riff and go and do mm-hmm. but they never call themselves improvisers
1: no no yeah. It's funny one because you know
2: you think yeah. like i i i imagine someone like Dana Carvey who certainly you know because he's your pal but when you can do a character that's that committed and and that such a such a broad expanse of different characters that he's able to do that once you get into a character like that i'm sure that for him it's just second nature you know that voice and after you know so he might not think that he's an improviser but once he's commits into a character like that you could ask him any question and he just would reply true to that character which is improv which is improv that is what it is you know yeah but uh without sort of Maybe without the mask, you might sort of think about it a lot, but when you drop into a character in that way, it's just the voice just comes out of you, and you could probably riff forever.
1: Yeah, he would do a thing, and I, this is kind of diverting. I don't know if I'll keep this in, but just i <laughs> tell you guys about it. Uh, for a while back in the early aughts, we were trying to put together danacarvey.com, and we recorded all of this stuff, and it never went anywhere. But one of the things he would do is this bit he came up with called The Bunker. And he would hunker around a microphone at our sound guy's place. And the the world was this hidden underground bunker under Las Vegas. And it housed both John Kennedy and Robert Kennedy, Elvis Presley, <laughs> and Adolf <laughs> oh Hitler. Oh, my God. And he would just do all four of these voices in wow. nonstop, back and oh forth. Gosh. And he didn't speak German, but he would just... <laughs> Because Hitler never learned English, he, right. just, he would never learn English, and he was just—and the only one who could understand him was Bobby Kennedy. <laughs> 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 that's and, amazing, and he would do twenty oh my minutes. my God, just that's incredible. Going just with this, going yeah, for it, yeah,
2: yeah. Oh my gosh,
1: it's just amazing. Yeah, that's anyway, guys, amazing. I don't want to hold you up, uh, but this has been Ooh. great. Uh, really enjoyed talking to you. Uh, Love your stuff and yeah, uh,
3: thanks Mark and thanks yeah. again for the blurb too that uh you put out with vulture I, Oh, absolutely uh, I don't i don't know if I actually reached out to say thanks for that, but uh, oh absolutely yeah, I really, really appreciate it and yeah, thanks for all the support thanks
2: yeah, so thanks so much, Mark. What a total yeah. pleasure and and really sincerely i mean you uh you know a lot of our stuff <laughs> maybe <laughs> more than we do it's uh but it's it's uh it's such a uh you know really feel very uh very flattered that you have responded to the material because as you know, you know, whenever you're doing anything creative and especially in this, in, in the world of things like when it's not a live performance, you never know if, if people are responding. I mean, you, of course you get emails or whatever, whatever, yeah. but it's always such a, it's always such a pleasure to uh, meet someone that's, that has responded to the material. Cause you know how much, how much care you put into doing yeah. it to making it, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, I really appreciate what you guys do. I love your humor and uh, continued success. Awesome! With, uh, Thank you so everything much. Everything coming out of your factory there. Love okay. it. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. Mark. Thank you. Take Thank care, you. guys.
3: Okay. Talk soon. Okay. Take care. Bye bye. Bye.
1: I hope you enjoyed that chat. I sure did. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Peter. Don't forget to check out the new season of This Sounds Serious. You can follow the link up on our Suckatashow show.com home site blog, or get them pretty much anywhere. Quality soundcasts are streamed and or downloaded. I'll be back with our close right after this from our other sponsor, Trump Poetry dot com.
0: This episode of Succotash is sponsored in part by trumppoetry.com, a chronological ode to a fake muse. Enjoy a rhyming spin on the news of the day every day, as well as over 500 archived daily verses thoroughly covering the White House, America, and the world with a sticky caramel coating that's impossible to remove. That's T-R-U-M poetry.com. Everything you need to know in rhyming couplets. TrumpPoetry.
1: Now if you have favorite comedy soundcast and you would like us to interview the hosts on this show, we can track them down, but you gotta let us know that you'd like to hear from them. So you can tweet us or insta us insta us <laughs> instagram us. I don't know at Show. That's at Suckatash show or call our toll free warm line at 818-921-7212. And just let us know. We'll figure out how to tag them, bag them and drag them in front of the Succotash shut in microphones. All right. That's going to do it for me now. Uh, remember that my compadre Tyson Sainer will be back at this very feed starting this upcoming Tuesday with a brand new episode filled with fun, or at least some more comedy soundcast clips. And you can supply your own damn fun. Until then, please remember to wash your hands, wear a mask. Yes, a mask. I'm talking to you. And please pass the succotash. attach.
0: You've been listening to Suckatash Shut In, the Soundcast Stimulus Package, with your host, Mark Hershon, Brought to you by Henderson's Pants, trumpoetry.com, and imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at suckatashshow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on iHeartRadio, on YouTube, on SoundCloud, on the <laughs> laughable app, and tattooed on your mother's rear end. You can hear us streaming and like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show, email us at marc at Suckatash dot com, or call into the Suckatash Skype line at our toll call number 818-921-7212. Suckatash. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcast directly to us using our direct upload link at Hightail.com slash U slash Suckatash. The production of Succotash is overseen by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our hosts are Mark Hershon and Tyson Sainer. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is still Kenny Durges. And until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please wash your hands and pass the Succotash. Goodbye.